1: Welcome back to another edition of the Wolverine.com podcast. My name is Chris Ballas with me, Doug Skeen, Michigan's five-time All-Big Ten. Well, I'm sorry, five-time Big Ten champion, one-time All-Big Ten offensive lineman who actually played in the pros, played for New England and Bill Parcells uh, and uh, is an expert on all things Michigan, including coaching transitions, buddy. And so you're kind of familiar with this. And uh, I remember... Mm -hmm. Remember when I was in school, you know, we all lived vicariously through you guys, you know, we five, eight guys who couldn't play football at that level. And when (laughs) Bo Beckler left, uh, we were heartbroken. I can only imagine how it was for you guys.
0: Yeah, we felt the same way. I mean, it was it wasn't all that surprising, given the time of of Coach Beckler's career and the health concerns and all the things that people remember from that era. It wasn't all that surprising, but it didn't dissipate the amount of disappointment that we had as players. And there were two things. The upperclassmen uh, felt, I think, a little bit differently than we did. Because at that time, just as with Jim Harbaugh today or Coach Sharon Moore now, when you come in as a young guy, there's a different feeling than you have as a junior or senior or a veteran guy. And so myself and my classmates we got the freshman and sophomore experience of Bo Schumbeckler and his staff, which was not easy. Ballas, it was it was a very challenging and difficult environment to walk into the building. Um, you know, the era was different, right? And and so it was very very challenging. And we but we saw how the the veteran guys and their relationships with the coaches, including the head coach at that time, were a little bit different. And we aspired to get there, which which we did get there, right? We got there with Coach Moeller. We had a lot of fun. We won all those championships. It was great. But we wanted that same relationship with Bo that we never quite got to because he had to step away. It's all fine now, but there's a disappointment, right? So – I'm guessing that today in Ann Arbor, there's some guys that feel the same way. They wanted to get to that veteran status on Jim Harbaugh's team. And the relationship just changes in the course of time when you're on the when you're on the roster and your skills and your development and your presence on the field and off the field, it changes and the relationships deepen. And so these guys didn't have that opportunity because things happen. Yep. Coach Harbaugh is now gone. And now Coach Moore gets to be the one who tries to develop those relationships.
1: Yep, and you guys knew it was going to be Gary Moeller. How important was it, uh, the continuity, and how similar was it, I guess, in the building after that and going into the next season with Gary Moeller in charge? I would imagine, uh, obviously, you guys had respect for Gary Moeller, uh, and we all did, right? But both Shenbecklers at a different level. But were things in terms of day-to-day stuff uh, pretty similar? And, and how much how important was that? <laughs>
0: Well, there's two things that when I look at this scenario with Coach Harbaugh leaving and what we went through with Bo in the transition to Moeller, pretty different scenario here, Ballas. So when Coach Schembeckler left, the staff virtually did not change. We had the same Mike Gittleson was our strength coach, the assistant strength coaches, the offensive line coach, Hanlon, Les Miles, the defensive staff all but stayed the same, Lloyd Carr, there was very little change in feel to all of those relationships. And so that allowed us to feel like, okay, this is not going to be a dramatic shift in fundamentals and who we are and what this program is all about, because the only guy that really left was Bo. And so we just had a feeling like, oh, this, this is going to be the same. And yet it wasn't the same in the regard that molar installed a new offense we started zone blocking the conditioning was different we're gonna run no huddle so the on-field football stuff changed pretty dramatically i think uh not entirely fundamentally but pretty dramatically and obviously for the better it worked out really well for us um but the, the 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 one thing that carried us through was my position coach didn't change you know coach gittleson was still in the weight room and so it was life moved on and so the the big difference now obviously the strength and conditioning coach changes uh looks like mentor's gone looks like jay harbaugh's gone and there could be others we don't know yet because coach moore has not announced his staff and those are big deals right those are much bigger deals when your position coach leaves and now you throw in the nil and the portal opportunities and this is why it's so much different today for a big coaching change and coach Moore's got to get this staff in place to, to calm the concerns down there amongst his roster, assuming there's probably some, right? Yeah. And so we don't want these guys sitting in the portal because they can, they can leave at the click of a button. And, and so it's a lot different now than it was then it's concerning, because we got to retain the talent. We wanna keep these guys in the roster and bring in the other guys to be the next stars at Michigan.
1: Yeah, and personnel is huge and speaking to parents and kids and stuff like that. And they're saying, you know, the money is one thing. And they were these guys were taking a pay cut, frankly, to pay here last to play here last year. You and I will talk about that in a minute. We know some of these stars were making less than a hundred thousand dollars, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, that's a big deal when they're now getting offered five, 10 times that, right? Okay. That's one thing. Yeah. But to me, a lot of people are talking on the message boards and, and people are saying, well, a strength coach is a strength coach. Oh, and, boy. oh that's right. no. No, no, right. no. No, and no. As someone with experience, <laughs> I want you to tell people how stupid that is.
0: Yeah. Well, it's, 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 it's not stupid as much as it is just ignorant. You just don't know. Yeah. So those football players in the in and Hall spend more time with the strength and conditioning staff than they do with their position coach by far. You're in that building every day, grinding and you're working and the relationship and the comfort level and the motivational factors and all of those things with that head strength coach and his staff is critical to how you then launch into spring football and critical of how you develop over the summer and how you launch into fall football. And if it weren't for Mike Gittleson for all the decades he was there, all those banners or all those years inside Schumbechler Hall, they may not be there. That's no disrespect, obviously, to Coach Schumbechler and all the other coaches, but Mike Gittleson, you talk to all the guys, talk to guys in the 97 team, talk to guys that preceded us in the late 80s, early 90s, that were there with Mike, um, the vast, vast majority still to this day contact Mike Gittleson to see how he's doing because what he turned us into physically and mentally that we could do anything because of the time we spent with him. It is an enormous, important, uh, enormously important position. And I'm not saying the new guy can't do it. Well, the new guy that's been named down there in Ann Arbor, I hope he does really, really well, but it's a big deal, and Coach Moore said so, that that was a big loss when Herbert left.
1: Yeah, Justin Tress is a guy who takes over. He's 28 years old, and it was explained to us that guys love him, but he's more like a brother figure, right, than a father figure. And when things go poorly, when you've got that guy on the sideline, we how many times did people talk about Ben Herbert and what the X factor he was and everything else, and it's hard to blame him. Now, I got a call on Friday night when it's out to dinner, from a, uh, a mutual friend of ours and a source in the building who was actually there and said that Herbert, Hey, he committed to staying with Sharon uh, in part because he hadn't gotten the deal that he was looking for from Los Angeles. Uh, It sounds like they really ponied up, but, Strength coaches in the pros compared to strength coaches in college skiing. Talk about how different they are because these guys are not working full-time in the NFL. You guys are working with – these guys today are working with their own guys for the most part, aren't they?
0: Yeah, a it's, a, it's a different. And, again, I, I played in the NFL a long time ago. But <clears throat> even then, the relationship that I had with the strength coach in New England there, Johnny Parker, who was really good, had a lot of fun with Johnny. But it was different. There's a lot of more individual – time spent. A lot of players nowadays have their own strength and conditioning advisors or consultants. They, they, they depart from their program and go to Arizona or Texas or Florida, or wherever they go to these specialized training programs, or they just do it on their own wherever they are. So it is a different feeling. And the development, the development ballast uh, from the time you're 18, when you arrive as a freshman, to the time you leave when you're 20 or 21 years old, is that that ramp up and that development curve of learning how to train as an athlete coming out of high school is so huge. You learn how far you can take yourself. And now with the science and the technology they have available for young athletes today is so specialized, the dramatic improvements. We didn't have all the science and the tech, but the dramatic improvements were still there. It's about taking your brain and your body to areas that you never thought possible. So when you leave Michigan or you leave Texas or you leave Alabama, you've learned how to do these things. And when you get to the NFL, now it's about learning how to be a pro and doing on your own more than it is with the other hundred guys doing the team runs until you barf guys are losing their composure and you're learning how to be mentally tough. And so it is a different relationship. So Herbert as a chargers strength coach, He'll have a different experience with professional athletes who've been doing it a long time, doing it their own way a long time than he did taking a young guy at Michigan who he's got and demanding that he show up and train and the team atmosphere. It's just a little bit different.
1: Any truth to the fact that you guys just did push-ups, sit-ups and occasional curls in the NFL back then or, you know, took summers off? And then came back. Okay, that was a long time ago. Remember what Ron Kramer and those guys told me? Yeah, you know?
0: that was no, I didn't play that long ago. Back, all I was, right. It was, <laughs> okay, all right.
1: It was maybe like throwing a medicine ball back and forth a couple of times. Yeah, no, yeah, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. No, we, we there was there was definitely a training program in place in the NFL. Yeah. It was it was different. Mm-hmm. The, the fundamental, the, in you know. At that time, we did a lot of different strength training and and exercise, high intensity stuff at Michigan Mm -hmm. to momentary muscle failure, which, by the way, for anybody that's ever done that is very uncomfortable Mm -hmm. and produces a lot of vomit from a lot of guys. Um, But it produces, you know, callus up here. Right. And that callus carries you on into the fall when you're in your stance and your legs are sore. You just have a mental toughness about you. And that's how these guys are built. And so the strength and conditioning coordinating staff is critically important that it be a good one, that it be an encouraging one. You talked about a brother relationship versus a father relationship. And I would say that the, the relationship that we had with Mike Gittleson was very much uh, a drill sergeant relationship. And then the brotherly friendly stuff came after you were, your time was done at Michigan. Okay. Um, Until then, you know, I, 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 we still tell stories about, (laughs) Having to get on the scale when you come back from spring break and weigh-ins and the and the runs that we did and 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 seeing guys uh to this day that we still kind of joke with a little bit about with things that happened inside an empty Michigan stadium, running up and down those stadium stairs, up and down, up and down until guys were passing out and barfing and the things that they would say. And we I mean, these are these are guys you know openly crying because we were <laughs> we were being tortured mentally and physically. I'll never forget. I'll, I'll share this story. This is just kind of a fun one. Yeah. Um, The team was training uh, in the old indoor building, which is now, uh, it's not the Glick, but the old one that's attached there. That was our indoor building. We were doing, we had a normal one-hour run, which were always grueling, but at the end, uh, Gittleson lined us up on the goal line, and we were doing 40-yard dash sprints as a team by group, you know, offensive line goes. The defensive backs goes, defensive groups. You know, you break the team up into position groups. But anyway, Gittleson said to us, all right, everybody, one more if it's good. If you all sprint through the line one more, then the run is over. So we all like, oh, yeah, here we go, right? Here we go. We all get down on the line, the whistle blows, and we all take off sprinting. And this is after a one-hour grueling run. So each group finishes, and we're all expecting to be done, and Gittleson goes, you know I think you're better than that. I think you're better. One more. This is the last one. One more if it's good. So we all get back on the line and now we're really going everything we got left in the tank. And yet it wasn't quite good enough. I think you're better than this, Michigan. You're better. One more. Just one more if it's good. One more if it's good went on for 42 more sprints. Oh, my
1: God. just <laughs> <This is> crazy. <laughs>
0: He's crazy. 42 sprints? 42 more sprints. And this was, and I'll never forget this. This is when he was testing us
1: yeah,
0: to see about our resolve as a group, yeah. right? And we had guys that were losing their composure, mm-hmm. screaming at each other like, come on, what's wrong with you? Pointing fingers at one another, accusing somebody else of not sprinting through the line or giving it their all. And Giddleston was just watching us <laughs> to see how he would respond. Yeah. And the leaders at the time, at that time, I think I was a junior, maybe we were seniors. We knew what was going on because we had the relationship. We knew Mike was testing us. Right, right. And so we had to get the guys to calm down and just go. Just yeah. keep your focus, think, and perform. And those things were multiplied every time we trained with him, he would test you mentally as much as he would physically. Yeah. And so we got through that. Guys stopped, stopped crying. And at the end of that run, we were a different team. Yeah. We were it was tougher. Amazing.
1: Yeah, we were talking amazing the debates that we had, Be, you know, like, oh, he's not doing the right <laughs> list, the Olympic <laughs> list versus that. And we would always try to tell people it is so much more than that when you are asking a guy to prepare a team. Right. And there is something to it. I remember Dahani Jones going to the NFL and saying, no, you know, this is not the way we're supposed to do it. And his strength coach saying, well, this is going to make you better and stronger. And it did. At the same time, Dahani, you know, he, he admitted it. He said, OK, you know what? I'm stronger. I'm maybe a little faster. But he always came back to Mike Gittleson and what he did with you guys mentally as well in terms of getting young guys prepared. So yeah, there's 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 more than one way to
0: get physically and yeah. mentally ready. You know, Mike's right. program at the time was high-intensity interval mm-hmm. training and and the momentary muscle failure. You do one set of an exercise until you couldn't do it anymore, then you had to keep going with some help. And there was, you know, a, a fundamental opinion about all these things, but I think the results of our teams speak for themselves in that we ran past people. We were in better shape. We were mentally tougher than everybody. We knew we we just knew we were going to win because we were better prepared than you physically and mentally. And so Gittleson was outstanding. They, they, they named the position for him. The impact he had on Michigan football is still being felt to this day. And so even, even as an old guy now, Ballas, I go out and I do a physical task. Tracy and I went out to go cross-country skiing the other day, and I ended up falling four times. I'm just falling all over the place. In my intuition, after the fourth fall, and by the way, falling now at 53 and a half years old hurts more than it did when I was 23 and a half. I took my skis off, and I just started walking with them, and I was pissed. And I'm walking, and I'm walking, and I walked, and then I finally, I thought, what would Gittleson say right now if you saw me doing this? (laughs) (laughs) Twitter. I put exactly, I put my skis down and finished the ski. I didn't fall again. Good. But these are the kinds of things that never leave this brain because it's been seared in there with an iron. And this is what a strength coach can do to a group of young guys.
1: Yeah, uh, we'll be back with the second hour of the Doug Skeen show here in a minute. <laughs> so, is there anything else? I'm just gonna go get a snack, and I'm just gonna say something, and let you talk. And I'm kidding, of course, man. You know I love these stories, and I could listen to them forever. Did you guys have like a separate freight scale for the the linemen? I mean, there true was story. Right, uh, this is a true like story. Skrepanik.
0: So, <laughs> all right. When I when I arrived, when we arrived in Ann Arbor, the 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 weigh in scale was which of those big, you know huge uh scales they had the big needle that went all the way around I think the yeah. thing stopped at like 320 okay right and so Gittleson uh scrap Greg Scrappinac is he one of the largest human beings you'll ever meet in your life Scrap used to peg that thing and it would oh piss off God. Mike so finally um Gittleson had Jim Plocky. I think it was Jim and Jim's still at Ann Arbor now still at the program his wife is obviously the gymnastics coach and Ended up taking Scrap down to the grain elevator in Ann Arbor somewhere where they weigh trucks. <laughs> what was the number? Do you know the number? Scrap, Scrap maxed out. I think the heaviest I ever saw him. Well, after that, when we had to take Scrap down, or they had to take Scrap down to weigh him in on the grain elevator or whatever that heavy duty scale was. Of course, Scrap never heard the end of that from us because yeah, fat guys are always ripping on each other. Sure. But uh, we got a new scale. And the, really? new scale, the new scale went up to 400 pounds. Wow. And uh, so that's when um, Scraphead and the rest of us were weighing in on the new scale and Giddleston had it calibrated. And we we were in fear of that thing. I can imagine. Uh, but those were good times, Ballas. Again, all in an effort of shaping
1: individuals and part of a team. The importance of a strength coach just cannot be understated. Yeah, that's for sure. Uh, it is interesting. You you were kind of between eras or The old the right when men were men, it's like when the guys in the NFL were like smoking on the sidelines and grabbing a <laughs> bottle of bag of whiskey underneath their bench and taking a sip and then looking at each other with no teeth and calling each other. names. I, that was not was my era, Ball. All right. <laughs> well, it's disappointing to me because that's what I think of when I think of you, because you're a throwback, right? So, yeah. Uh, However, uh, you were still good in your own right. So uh, up until you got your knee destroyed by Chester McLaughlin. Okay. <laughs> Let's talk a little bit about some uh, staff changes and stuff here. Um, there's there's no question that losing Jesse Minter is a blow. Jay Harbaugh, outstanding special teams coach. Um, losing him was a blow. Alabama was, everybody's looking back at that. Oh, you know what? Big deal. This guy had an outstanding career as a special teams coach and as a safeties coach. So, uh, what's the concern here with these guys leaving, in terms of continuity? Because you know what, you need to set Sharon Moore. If you're going to promote a guy like that with no experience, you got to have as much experience around him as possible in continuity. And the continuity is
0: the system itself. So he mm-hmm. had Mike McDonald, who's now the head coach of the Seattle Seahawks, two years ago, and the the, the system that the defense that he built post Don Brown. That is the system that must continue because this is the buy-in that you've seen from this defense in the last few years. It's been awesome to see this defense develop, mature, replace stars with new stars, guys that come in and are productive and, and have the pressures on the quarterback and, and the familiarity within the system. It doesn't surprise me that Mentor's leaving if he ends up officially on the Charger staff, which is, by the way, where I would expect him to show up. That guy had NFL aspirations anyway. And I think he was destined to be an NFL guy, a lot like McDonald was before. And and personally I believe for the reasons of again and I keep saying this, if I were a young football coach, I would want to be in the NFL. That's where I would aspire to be because of the fair playing field, the way the rosters are built, and you don't have to deal with NIL or transfer uh, portal stuff. You know you got players, etc., so it doesn't surprise me one bit that we're going to have to replace now Coach Harbaugh uh, has already been apparently I read that coach Moore has already been you know talking to obviously Jim, who's going to be the next defensive coordinator to continue the same program and you can put your own little spin on it, but the fundamentals are the same. the language and the way you change your language but you're doing the same X's and O's. that's the most important part. and when you lose too many assistant coaches, suddenly maybe it's a it's a it's a problem that maybe you lose that system or the faith in that system that's going to continue. And that's when guys now can just go, you know what? Uh, I just won the national championship and uh, I think I'm going to be in the, in the NFL in another year or two. And um, boy, my my dad and my uncle have been getting phone calls from all these schools offering me 10 times more money than I'm making in Ann Arbor I'm just going to click the portal button and see you later. Goodbye. That's my
1: worry. Yes. Yep. And it doesn't look like it's going to happen now in this 30 day window because guys are in class and really kind of entrenched, but there's another portal scheme at the end of spring ball where that opens up and they're going to have an opportunity. And if things don't go extremely well in Spring ball, for example, with a receiver and a quarterback. If they don't have a quarterback yet, uh, this kid can say, hey, I can go to Oregon where they're going to throw me the ball 10 times a game. You know, uh, I worry about Colston Loveland, for example, in that respect. I worry about guys, uh, although they did just promote Kirk Campbell to offensive coordinator, which I like. He and Sharon Moore were joined at the hip. And I understand everybody's going to be like, oh, we need to, they needed to go out and blah, 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 blah. But to me, again, continuity is a big thing. It'd be different, right, if they didn't have – a bunch of experience and help build this culture to where it is. But Kirk Campbell was a huge part of that. And I'm happy for the guy. I think he'll do a great job. So it would be great to get some fresh minds there in there as well. You know, maybe another passing game coordinator, a Jed fish from back in the day, who's now we see an outstanding offensive mind and he's at Washington after turning things around at Arizona. So, um, but I like that. And uh, so hopefully it'll work, but nothing's going to work unless you have a great offensive line, buddy. And uh, to me, this is where uh, I have some concern, and I would imagine you do too. When you have to replace just about everybody, in fact, everybody.
0: Well, it is. It, it just from it, it's not. It's not a dismissal of the capabilities of these new faces. You know, Al Hadi probably is the most experienced lineman right. coming back now because he's played a lot of football. Didn't play a ton last year because we didn't have the injuries last year, which again ties back to the effectiveness of your strength staff. Um so he probably comes in as the is the most decorated lineman but just the fact that these guys don't have the time spent together in the games obviously they got a hundred you know thousand reps or whatever in practice together that's that's important but the inexperienced game time is where it's going to show and it's going to show early in the season chances are it's going to show statistically historically speaking it's going to show we can go back to 30 years ago when we played We had four of the five linemen our last year. We all left. The only returner was Trezell Jenkins. The guys behind us were good football players. They just didn't have the game experience. So there's a little bit of learning curve that happens. And sometimes those things results in first downs that are not earned, hits on your quarterback until you kind of figure it out as a group. And that's just what's coming here for this fall. And right. I, I have no doubt that Coach Moore understands that, and his whole offense understands that, and they'll have to cater what they're going to do offensively to let this O-line develop. Yep. But back to the portal thing, and then, you know they have to have confidence coming out of spring that they're heading in the right direction, that they're in a familiar system that they can succeed in, and so all these guys don't just hit the button and bail to go somewhere else and chase something else.
1: Yep. And – They've got a kid coming in from Northwestern uh, who's played a lot of football. You and I are going to break down his film here in a couple of weeks on a separate podcast, and I'm going to have you uh, help me out with that. So okay. um, your thoughts on on Grant Newsom as an offensive line coach? I think he's 27 years old. I think he did yeah. a pretty good job with the tight ends. I saw some pretty good tight end blocking and improvement. Uh, Eric Hall was fantastic in that area, and I thought those guys got better this year. So. But he's going to obviously have Sharon Moore right there with him as well, so I would well, imagine that's going to help when you have. That yeah, coach. Grant
0: Grant was a hell of a player before he mm-hmm. had he got hurt, right? And so he was going to be an NFL guy all day long. He stayed in Ann Arbor and developed his skills, you know. And the age thing amongst college football coaches now, and we just mentioned twenty seven year olds for Grant. I think it's part of the culture now in college football right I think the players gravitate toward younger guys there's a relationship there and and you know the old the old football coaches don't seem to be hanging around as long as they used to right and maybe because they have got a gazillion dollars now and they don't need to hang around because they're being paid so much money I, I don't know the age doesn't concern me it's the development like you just mentioned and the performance that we look for so how did the tight end group block and how did they do as a unit and I feel pretty comfortable with that transition Jim Harbaugh has said publicly about how well Grant came along as a tight ends coach and how well he did with that group. Sharon Moore obviously knows what he's doing offensive line. He's not going to turn that unit over, the one that he had in his personal hands, to someone who's going to screw it up. That ain't going to happen. So I would expect that this offensive line development is going to continue under Grant's watch and they're going to be just fine.
1: Yeah, I would think so too. So uh, we'll find out soon enough. And uh, spring ball is going to be huge for all these guys, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, especially you look at the tackles, and you and you know what? It's not like they don't have any pieces to work with. Miles Hinton is back, right? He's going to start. Yeah. So Miles Hinton, El Hadi, Greg Crippen has played some football here. He has. I had some things that I've seen from him at center when he's been yep. out there. Raheem yep. Anderson's going to have an opportunity, and he's played some decent football. He took a and step. And Raheem, back.
0: Raheem was a yeah. really talented, nasty kid coming out of uh, Detroit's um, uh, Castak played Cast Tech kid i liked his high school film because the dude enjoyed putting dudes on the ground now you know he was he's speculated to be a center could be an easily if you play center at michigan you know guard at michigan if you play guard at michigan you know center and if you don't know center you got to know tackle it's the interchangeability of your top seven guys it's required so you might see raheem in this lineup but we're going to find out this spring
1: we are. Uh, I do like the thoughts of what they bring back on defense skein You know, if you look starting with the defensive line, I think they're going to win you a lot of football games. Right. If you can bring back Derek Moore, Josiah Stewart, and then those three interior guys, not yeah. just Kenneth Grant and Mason Graham, but but um uh Rashawn Benny, will Rashawn he be back Benny you... broke his leg. Yeah, yeah. sorry, Rashawn. I, I had your name on the tip of my tongue there, but <laughs> then you're looking pretty good, and you still have to develop some depth. But you got an Ernest Hausman at linebacker who's played a lot of football. Will Johnson back there, Rod Moore. That could be a really, really good defensive football team.
0: Yeah, you got the core, and right. If you want the middle of the defense is stout, and you can let that middle linebacker run and do some things. That's that's where you begin all the time. Because if you're weak in the middle, nothing else matters. And if your offensive line on the other side is weak, nothing else matters. It doesn't really matter how great your quarterback is and all these other wide receivers. That's important, obviously. But if the O line and D line are not strong, you're going to have problems and limitations everywhere else. We've learned that over the last 15 years of watching Michigan football. Have we not? Going back to the dark days of Rich Rod, where he just wanted five warm bodies up there on the offensive line and you know, Denard, as awesome as he was, was just running for his life. And that's no disrespect to the guys that played offensive line, but it wasn't the same offensive line that we saw this last year and the greatest teams that Michigan's ever had that went on and won championships. They all had kick-ass offensive lines and defensive lines. And you can look yeah. at any other team in college football that won the big trophies. The common denominator is always the same. They're really good up front. And yeah. so it will be no different in Ann Arbor. And those young guys in the middle of that defense are going to compliment the guys behind them so that they can play even better.
1: Yep. Your thoughts on Sharon Moore, would you have gone that direction to keep the continuity? And, and do you think he deserved that opportunity? Absolutely. Yep. No doubt. And I think there was some questions. Uh, obviously, you,
0: you, if you took the suspensions away, whether they're self-imposed or the Big Ten one when Jim was gone, and Sharon didn't have that rehearsal, if you will, which wasn't really a rehearsal, it was a uh, you know, in the in the fire interview process there, from the Penn State game through Ohio State, uh, I think you might feel a little bit different. But it certainly looked and felt like clearly the guy knows how to call a game. He knows how to develop an offensive line. He knows his team. You can see the interactions, the feeling, the the the, the familiarity, and the and the love and the sideline. You can see that. Uh, so I felt like absolutely, Sharon had earned this opportunity. It made perfect sense. I don't think you're gonna. I don't think that it would have bode well for Michigan to go out and try to reinvent the wheel from someone on the outside to come in and make too many changes. This is about Sharon keeping going what what was built while Sharon was there with Jim Harbaugh. And we just take the next step. Having gone through it myself, uh, go, Gary Moeller takes over. He wasn't Bo Schembechler. He was not the same person. And Sharon has said, I'm going to be me. And that was the, under the direct advice of Jim Harbaugh. And and we fully expect there'll be some, some, some changes that we will see on the outside looking in. Most of the changes we won't see because it'll be inside the building. But the fundamentals of winning Michigan football will be the same. Yeah. And so yeah. I, I, I feel really good about the hire. I do. I think he's done a great job and deserves it.
1: Yeah. And Jim Harbaugh's legacy. And I'm going to ask you this and we're going to. I'm going to pick your brain here when we're done for an article in the magazine the National Championship issue but uh basically it's a tale of two eras with him right before 2021 and after and uh, he came close right and he won a Big 10 East championship uh, shared it with Ohio State I think I still have your t-shirt that you refused to accept from 2018 <laughs> I think it was and so Big 10 East co-champions and oh a banner God, basement. yeah however Perfect. um your thoughts on his legacy and how you think he'll do in, in uh, Los Angeles? Because I, to me, this guy is a winner. I think, yeah, a lot of people question, is he going to have the passing attack? I think this guy has adapted everywhere he's been. He's going to have a good defense. Um, and, yeah, he's no spring chicken, but I do think he's going to be successful. Yeah, the, the, well, Jim
0: being 60 years old and he said so publicly, the clock is ticking on his time as a, as a football coach because it takes so much out of these guys to do it. Um, I'll answer the second question first. I think he's going to do well in the NFL He's because mm-hmm. he's he's done well everywhere he's went. He's got an incredibly talented guy, quarterback there. They'll fill in the pieces around him, and I think the Chargers will be in the playoffs here in, in no more than two years. They'll be a playoff team, even in that division. Yeah. And so I think they're going to be just fine with Jim Harbaugh. As far as his legacy goes in Ann Arbor, the guy accomplished what we all wanted him and expected him to do when he was hired. It just took... For some of us fans, it probably took, you know, five years longer than we expected. I think a lot of folks thought, oh, he's here, all of our problems are gone, and we're going to be national champions in three years. Well, it took nine. And nonetheless, it felt great in the end when we did it. Uh, And there was an evolution, as you say, Ballast. There was an evolution. From my perspective, I look back at it and I go, man, The fundamentals of of how he was recruiting and the guys we were bringing in, it just felt like the first half of his tenure in Ann Arbor, we were recruiting and trying to compete and competing in some cases with the best athletes in America to come to Michigan, wear the uniform and play football. And yet the results weren't working and we were getting Ohio State rubbing our nose in it every year, losing by 30 points. And it wasn't close. It was just something missing. And part of that was the X's and O's on defense. I think Don Brown, for as great as he was against Bowling Green and Central Michigan, was not all that great against Ohio State and some of the other teams. So you make a big change halfway through his tenure, and you go get a professional defensive coordinator from the Ravens, and you change. I think there was a change in the way they recruited football players. So you went from great athletes that that played football in the uniform to finding great football players. And you look at Mike Sanders still as no better example of a guy who may not have been at all the top of the recruiting lists, but Holy shit, Ballas, one of the greatest football players to ever wear the uniform in Ann Arbor. And guys like that will take you a long, long way to winning championships. And that was the difference. I think there was a shift in the kind of player they wanted and who those guys were and what kind of team mentality they had together. And you mix all those things together, you you, you you inject the right X's and O's from an NFL mentality and all the other things and the motivations that Jim put together and just sick and tired of being beat by Ohio State with that Aiden Hutchinson-led uh, season, where that changed and then the goals went up a notch. And then it didn't work so well against Georgia. And then all of a sudden, we got beat by TCU. But the goals didn't change. And it's like everybody grinded in more and they dug their heels in more because they felt like we're so close and they finally did it. In spite of all the distractions and the problems that were thrown at them this year, it's an incredible era of Michigan football uh, in the last four years. As good as it's ever been in Ann Arbor with, with, the greatest group of guys to ever wear the uniform in that 2023 team
1: wow is that saying something or what uh, from one of the greats here in doug Skeen, and now ohio state's spending 20 million dollars to try to counter that <laughs> we'll see how that works
0: <laughs> hey good luck good luck yeah. fellas i've been yeah. watching that one too ballast they got all kinds of great guys on the
1: edge but i don't see them getting the best o-line and d linemen. i don't either it's gonna be fun to watch he's doug Skeen. doug thank you very much for your time as always we will get back to you uh, probably in a couple weeks and we'll break down some offensive line play, but always appreciate your contributions. All right, Ballas, go blue. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office.